I just want to commend everybody on your timing for being sick. You're getting it over with before our Thanksgiving dinner comes, and everybody's going to be ready to, to come and enjoy that, uh, that worship together on November 6th, and, uh, and then a wonderful meal together. I'm trying to make Jay proud of me, too, for how many times I've mentioned it to remind everybody. <laughs> Today we are considering the second part of the phrase that I often use, the idea that when you come to Garrett Street, you will find simple, authentic faith. So, And that's what, uh, what church is about. It's not about coming to a building or a place, but being together with people of faith who, with their faith in Christ, do the things that please God, that are truly following after Christ and walking in His ways. Last week we uh, proposed the idea that, of, of what it means to have a simple faith. I'm going to repeat that here in just a moment. But this week we are focusing on the idea of authentic. What does it mean for us to have authentic faith? That is the, the, the thrust of this message. So first of all, There are two basic points. First of all, our faith is based upon the authentic source of truth. So if you want to have an authentic faith, you've got to have the authentic source for that faith. The authentic words of God that gives us the authentic source of salvation in Jesus Christ. We, We look to the Bible so that it can teach us about God. So, and then the second part is just going to be simply that our faith is authentic because we live it out. That's, that's the authenticity of faith. It isn't just that we start with the right information, but we start with the right information and then live it out as best we can. That's what it means to have simple, authentic faith. Turn with me to first, excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verses 16 and 17, a passage that you should know and you need, you need to know. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, it says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may at, be adequate, equipped for every good work. So if you want to know how to do things, how to teach things, how to train others, then you go to the scripture and it will give you all the information that you need to be a man of God, a person of God who is ready to do and to proclaim the truth. God's word is truth. We go to the scripture constantly if we're talking about something We want to have a thus saith the Lord. We want to be able to point into the book and say, this is what I believe. We don't listen to the words of man. We trust God's word. That was the focus of last week. We talked about God's word and how we go there. We don't want to add to it or take away from it. We want to trust his holy word. So we listen to him and we do what he says. The thrust of Jesus' message was that you hear these words of mine and you do them. You act upon them. 
You don't just hear and say, oh yeah, that's truth. You hear and do. To listen means to obey. If our children are getting out of line, we, we say, you need to listen to me. And that means, so when I tell you to do something, you, you listen to me, but also do what I say. To listen is to do. So God's word is that truth. We listen to his truth and we do as he says. This is, the Bible is the authentic source for what we do. If we go anywhere else, then we're getting off track. There is a way that seems right to a, a man, but that way ends with death. It ends with death. God's word is the word that is tried and true. So we turn to the truth and we listen to what it says and we do what it says. We do Bible things. The things that the Bible talks about, we do them. We do Bible things in Bible ways. The Bible tells us everything that we need. Notice in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says, All Scripture... All Scripture is inspired of God and profitable. All Scripture, it's here. What we need is right here. All Scripture makes the man of God adequate. What else is needed? Is there anything else needed besides Scripture to prepare us, to make us ready for every good work? So we do things, we do Bible things in Bible ways. And I would ask you to consider too, in particular, when we come together in our assemblies, when we come here to remember Christ Jesus around this wonderful table, to give, to give him honor and thanks for his wonderful sacrifice, to remember him. When we come together, I, I, can, I just ask everybody to consider that we keep things simple. We do things in a simple way, just doing what God's Word says, not adding to or taking away from, and we need to do this in this manner so that we can have unity. There is, uh, there, well, there are a few things I think that God wants more than His people to have unity. Jesus' final prayer in John chapter 17 makes the entire point of what, a, in this first part, about the authentic Word of God and it being our source to make us authentic believers and to show that to the world. He makes this case for us. And Jesus' final prayer, I can't say final prayer, his, his uh, prayer before he goes uh, to the Garden of Gethsemane. John chapter 17, verse 17 through 21. This is the prayer of Jesus speaking to his father about things so important to them, to him. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent them into the world, I have also sent them into the world. Now, by the way, let me pause here a second. Jesus is speaking uh, referencing his apostles, the twelve. They're the ones who are going to carry that truth. So they need to be set apart, sanctified in that truth and by that truth. Verse number 18 again. As you have sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. 
For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves may also be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. So the end game is the idea that what Christ really wants is he wants everybody to believe in Jesus. This is what God wants. I want everybody to know that you sent me, Father. And how can that happen? How is that going to happen? Well, he needs the apostles to be sanctified in truth. And then all the ones that the apostles go forth and teach, they need to be sanctified in truth also. We need to be sanctified in truth, set apart. The church is set apart from the rest of the world. We're set apart by the truth of God's word. We hold on to his truth. We hold on to all scripture. We we trust it. We believe it. We hear and do what it says. That's what unites us. When we obey Christ, we are immersed into Him and we're immersed into His body and that makes us all one as part of His body. And we aren't going to try and separate ourselves and divide ourselves. We want to be sanctified in truth, holding on to to Christ and His Word so that we can be one. It begins with holding on to God's truth, believing it and obeying it. So we do Bible things in Bible ways. We don't make things complex so that then when things get complex, when they aren't kept super simple, then somebody comes along and says, keep it simple, stupid. Isn't that how that saying? The kiss principle. It goes one, one way or the other. If things get too complex, people say, hey, this is causing problems. Let's back down and keep it simple. That is our plea. We want to be one, so we simply follow God's word without adding to it or taking from it as best we can. That's not always easy to put into practice, but the principle is simple. We do what it says. And it happens that when we start with the truth, and not the words of men, when we start with truth and just stick with the truth, then we'll all stay as one. And people will be able to look at the one body of Christ and say there must be something to that. Look at all those people loving each other, getting along, agreeing in the Lord. They're all sanctified by truth. I want to be a part of that. May they all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. So our faith is authentic because we are basing it, our faith is based simply upon the truth of God's word. We have the authentic source of truth. Nowhere else to go but to God's word. All right, and then the carrying it out part. We have a simple, authentic faith because... Our authentic faith is evident in how we live. 
It's not just when we're together here, but it's when we go our separate ways, we are going to live out the Word of God. And that is who we are. As believers here at Garrett Street Church of Christ, we have an authentic faith. There happened to be a man who said to me just this morning that uh, I was going, he knew I was going to preach. Break, he said, break a leg. And I said, well, that's an acting term, right? That's an acting term, and it doesn't fit with the message today because we are not acting. We don't break a leg at this life. We, just, we give ourselves to God and let Him live and work in us. That is the authentic way. We are not putting on a show. We are living it out. We start with God's authentic word, and then we live it out in an authentic way. We are not hypocrites. So that is point number one on this idea of authentic faith and how we live it out. We're not hypocrites. Look at Matthew chapter 6. Verses 1 and 2, and if you keep reading all of chapter 6, you're going to find more language like this. But in Matthew chapter 6, Starting in verse number one, he says, Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the, in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. Now this is a little bit of a temptation, isn't it? Sometimes to put on a face and so many times at church when we uh, get here to church, the first thing we say, hey, how you doing? And we just, well, things are terrible and it's been a rough morning and you should have seen what happened to me this week. And that's what we're thinking. And then we say, put on that smile and we say, I'm doing great. How are you? <laughs> it's an easy temptation. So we can, be, we can understand that this is a temptation to put on a show. But when it comes to our faith and say, you know, somebody says, well, really, how are you doing? We, uh, well, this has been a difficult week. My week hasn't been difficult, by the way. But it's been a good week. But we don't, we don't need to put on a show in any way. We don't want to be seen by people in any particular way. All that we care about, all that is important to us as believers is that we know that God has given us his word. God's word is inspired. He's given it to us so we can live out our lives like he wants us to, like we were created to. And I want to live my life in such a way that I please him. It's not about others. It's about pleasing him. And this is so hard. Um, it's kind of funny because um, usually every morning, Jack in the seventh grade, he's getting up and going to school, and I'm, I'm thinking, Jack, you should probably comb your hair because it matters what other people think, right? And I, I told, So I say, Jack, you, you need to comb your hair. Ah, that's good. <laughs> and there's something great about that, that, hey, I don't, I don't care what people think. It doesn't matter to me what I look like too much as long as it doesn't cause a problem for anybody else. We should live authentically. We should not care what others think except for one. 
We care about what God thinks. We care about what Jesus thinks. We aim to please Him. And this is a hard lesson. This is a difficult, because here I am, I'm trying to teach Jack. You've got to care about what people think. And it gets drilled into us. You've got to dress up right. You're a preacher. You've got to wear a tie and suit and wear a coat, right? Well, nothing wrong with those things. Nothing wrong with combing your hair. Nothing wrong with looking good, is there? But it's not to please others. It's just to kind of get along, to do what we need to do. But how we live The only thing that matters is we want to please God. We don't want to be seen by men. We just want to please God. And in particular, when it comes to our faith, we just want to please Him. We don't care what others think. He is our all in all. We live to please Him. And that is our authentic faith. We're not hypocrites. Here at Garrett Street, let it be said of us, we are not hypocrites. Hypocrites, we care about what God thinks, and we're going to live to please Him. Number two, well, let me read the seven, one through five. Actually, I think we're good without that. So if you read Matthew chapter seven, verse one through five, he talks about the hypocrites again, who are looking at others and judging them and not paying attention to themselves. And so part of our authentic faith is that we acknowledge that we're not perfect. We acknowledge that we, we sometimes get planks and splinters in our eye and we need to remove them. But we also acknowledge that we want to help others with their lives too. We want to live in a simple, authentic way, pleasing God and try and encourage others to, uh, to be right with God also. Because notice in that Verse number five, he says, you hypocrite, first take out the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. We do want to help others. We want to help them. We don't want to judge them and condemn them. We want to help them come to Christ Jesus and maintain a right life with him. So our authentic faith is evident in how we live. We're not faking it. We're not acting. We're not putting on a show. Number two, the Holy Spirit is our seal of authenticity. Look at Ephesians. Uh, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. And now I connect this. If you think about the, the idea of baptism, when we are immersed into Christ, we receive the remission of our sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. You will receive that gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives. Verse 13 then says, in him you also, so in Christ, you also, after listening to the message of truth, again, it starts with that authentic message, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who was given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. So when we're immersed into Christ and we receive the Holy Spirit, that means there's a promise someday that Jesus is going to come back and he's going to claim his own. How is he going to know who his own are? Who are the authentic ones? 
Who are the real ones? Who have this seal of authenticity? This idea of a seal is that God has, has made put his mark of authenticity upon us. And that is the Holy Spirit. And so when he comes, when Jesus comes back someday, he's going to look for those who have that mark of authenticity. Those who are sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, when we've been immersed into Christ, it's our, our seal of authenticity. When we live and walk according to that Spirit, we have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are all marks that we have been sealed. And that, those are marks that identify those of us here at Garrett Street Church of Christ. We're not hypocrites. But the Holy Spirit is set as a seal upon us, as a seal of authenticity. And number three, our authentic faith seen in how we live is that we have obedience to the command to love one another. The obedience to that command to love one another is authentic. It is true in us. So kind of a strange way of wording that, I'll acknowledge um, but in chapter 2 of 1 John 2, the first scripture that's referenced here, in 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, in verse number 8, it says, which is true in him and in you. So there is something that is true in the believers that John was writing to. And there's something that is true in the believers that I am speaking to today. 1 John 2, 7 and 8. Beloved, I am not writing to you a new, com a new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. What is this new commandment that is being spoken of here? Well, look at chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. This new commandment is a commandment to love one another. And the idea of loving one another is present in the Old, the old Testament, so it is kind of an old command, and it is something that was proclaimed from the beginning. Um, but we're going to talk about that a little more. Listen with me with... Um, 1 John chapter 4, 7 through 11. How, is, how important is it that what is true in them is, should be true in us too? Verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God. For God is love. By this the love of God was manifested in us. That God sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and, is, and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So the true command listed back in chapter 2 and what was in Christ that was true what was true in Christ and what was then true also in the ones that he wrote to was this idea of love 
Love for others. Love for one another. That's the new command. This is uh, made certainly clear in chapter uh, chapter 4, verse 21. And I'm going to read into chapter 5. It says, And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should also love his brother also. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. You're going to love other believers. Verse 2, By this we know that we love the children of God, that we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. A simple, authentic faith. A faith that follows, that believes Jesus. And since we believe in Jesus, we believe in the truth about him, we, we just decide we're going to follow him and trust him in every way. And first and foremost, just as Jesus loved the Father, we are going to love the Father. And as Jesus loved others, we will also love others. Here is the first and foremost commandment is to love God. And the second one like unto it, love others as you love yourself. That is what we do. We've got to do this in a simple, authentic way. Going to back to chapter 2, this must be true in us. This takes us back to John when that, that prayer that they would be one. I don't think that passage mentions love, but it's about being in Christ and being in one another. That is love, being united. Let us love one another. And here at Garrett Street... Our authentic faith is evident in this. Obedience to the command to love one another, it's authentic, it's true in us. In John chapter 13, speaking of this new command, and it's interesting that this command to love one another goes back to the Old Testament. You can find that command in Leviticus. But Jesus relates to us that this is a new command in John 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. It's a new commandment to love one another. The words are the same, but the example has changed. The degree to which we are to love one another has changed. Jesus says, even as I have loved you. And then he went to the cross and he died for my sins. That's a deeper love than what man has. Jesus dies for his friends. And all of us rebellious, sinful, uh, 
evil people who have turned our backs against God. He went to the cross and he died for us. And he says, I want you to have that kind of love. As I have loved you, you also should love one another. So we begin with the truth. The truth exposes us to many great and wonderful things and instructions for how we are to live and act and how we are to worship together, how we are to be unified. And we want to follow those instructions in the simplest way possible so that we can be one and bring glory to God. And when we go forth from this place, we're going to continue to live out the authentic word in an authentic way. That is who we are at Garrett Street. Garrett Street is a place where you can find this simple, authentic faith. Let's encourage others to be a part of this. Let us live with simple, authentic faith. Let us be the light shining in the darkness, promoting unity in the church of Christ so that the world may believe. Simple, authentic faith is a beautiful thing. If you want to be a part of it, I encourage you to give your life to Christ today. To be immersed and to have that, that seal of ownership, God's ownership and the Holy Spirit, that seal comes upon you and gets you ready for that wonderful day when we can go and be together with Him forever. But in the meantime, let us shine the light of Christ. Let us have simple, authentic faith. If anyone needs to respond, you're welcome to come today as we stand together and sing.